0: All right, so Michael will join us shortly. He's just uh, trading the crypto close, so <laughs> he's, he's he's gonna be a while. This kid is this kid is so lost in the metaverse right now, like on purpose. <laughs> like he wandered in, and we should have tied a string to him because I, I don't know how we're gonna pull him back out.
1: There's he, like nine million doors to get him out.
0: He is so in deep. Yeah, I think he's I think he's uh his avatar is just running wild in the, in the in the omniverse right now. So I don't I don't know if we're going to be able to save him. All right. Shannon, how'd you get here? You fly? I did. Okay. Where are you staying?
2: Uh, next door. The park terrace.
0: Smart. It's a good hotel, right?
2: Yeah, it's not bad. We were just talking about how small the rooms are, but that's like everywhere in New York. You forget when you're not on the road all the time. You're like, damn, this is a small hotel room. New
1: York doesn't have big hotel rooms. Six inches on each side of the bed.
2: But I don't really need it if I'm by myself. It's True. not like...
1: Yeah, it's a place to sleep.
2: Yeah. Oop, oop,
3: oop.
1: What's right? up, Shannon?
2: Hi. Get see I, I, get
0: cla- I get claustrophobic though in like a small
1: hotel room. The best ones have a radiator in them. That's when you know you got quality. You, can, you, came, you came with jokes? <laughs> you touch yourself. You touch the radiator and you your roll hands go
0: over off. onto a
4: radiator.
1: <laughs> I, I wake up with like the Joe Pesci M on my hand from home. That's along. how you know
4: you're in New York. Somebody just texted me. This is a Bloomberg news article. Ken Griffin's son told him, quote, you have to buy the Constitution. What a little dick bag.
0: Wait. Ken, Gr- he's explaining why he did it. Yeah, he's blaming it on his kids.
4: Why did Citadel oh, founder of Ken Griffin? His kids under the bus. Listen, oh, here's a quote. Here's a quote. Twelve. I was sitting at. This is a quote from Ken Griffin. I was sitting at home in New York, and my son calls me to say, "Dad, you have to buy the Constitution." <laughs> his son is like Romulus.
0: Yeah.
4: Right. His son is definitely Roman. Roman. Yeah. Wait.
0: So, so does he own it? Like he. It's over.
4: Yeah, and then what's like? Where would it go? Like Arkansas? It, right? Like a, stop it, Duncan. He, he bought it and burned <laughs> yeah. it.
0: Yeah, he, it's an he, NFT. NFT. Yeah. Honestly, if he did that just for the likes, that would be very Elon esque. Yeah, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't be mad at it. I mean, I I, I you, probably would. Be. I'd be mad. Is his son like studying that in social studies right now in third grade or something? Is that why he had to buy it? Um, wouldn't his kid call him and be like, "Dad, you have to buy a football team"? Like, like at that level constitution. He should, he should be buying franchises.
4: They're not for sale. I feel that's like where the scarcity is, NFL teams.
1: If you're a kid of a rich person these days, there's a, like a 70% chance you're going to be a troll. Right? Like that's... If you're the child of a... Of I don't, a,
2: I don't like know a, how that's any different though. True. <laughs> it has been in the yeah,
4: if you're a rich person, you're a troll. Although, uh, no. I mean, we should say, billionaires on Twitter. Not
0: 99% people. of billionaires want nothing to do with any kind of attention. Right. We only see the 1%. That insists
4: the one percent of the billionaires, one percent of uh, top. Oh, oh, oh. Le-
0: I bet you it's less than one percent have tw- active Twitter accounts.
4: So Ben and I were talking about this. That's seen in the succession. Are, hold on, There are five
0: hundred thousand billionaires in the
4: world. Five hundred thousand? I think so. No way. I
0: think so. Can't be. Why
4: not? Uh,
0: I have this thing called Google.
4: <laughs> what do you? What's your knee jerk reaction to that, Shannon? I would have said think one. I would have like a hundred. Five hundred thousand. Oh,
1: Josh, you're way off, I and mean, that sounds All right, absurd. What is it? Twenty seven hundred. That's what I meant. <laughs> so there
0: are twenty. There are twenty seven hundred billionaires, as I was saying. And
4: now Josh loves in the future. He means in twenty forty one, there will Do be. Do you think
0: there? All right, let, let me put it to you this way: Do you think there are more than twenty seven billionaires who have active Twitter accounts? Yes. Do you think there are more than two hundred seventy? What is this?
1: How many of them have an anonymous? I'm
0: trying to figure account? out because I said ninety nine percent of. You think there are more than? 200, but they're not. But
4: they're not shit posting. All day?
0: Well, that's what I consider active shit posting all day. <laughs> what, like, what else? What else constitutes being active on Twitter Bes- besides shit posting all day? Oh, Duncan, the sirens arrived just in time.
3: Yeah, I was oh, worried I saw, they wouldn't
4: come. I saw a literal fight on Madison Avenue yesterday. What do you mean? Like, fight in the street? Like, three people were fighting in the how street. How many
1: people around what them were the filming? Was it
4: was it over interest rates?
1: <laughs> but I feel like how many people were filming? Like, who are the people that film these fights? I would you're you're a what's a it honestly star.
4: i was i was i was walking on a phone on a, on a not important eh, kind of important phone call <laughs> and i was like i'm sorry i'm sorry um I, I i'm there's a fight and so i had like i couldn't pay attention so i just kept walking
0: i filmed a fight on long island railroad um not well not a physical fight but like a customer screaming at a conductor and calling him racist like i don't know what caused oh, in it.
1: case there needed to be evidence basically
0: no, I was like, I was like worried for the. I wasn't right. gonna break it up because like uh, I'm not, a, I'm not a hero, but like I felt like something bad was gonna happen to this guy, so I started surreptitiously like just filming with my phone, but then nothing happens. So I deleted it, but yeah, I am the kind of person that would do that.
2: But then I feel like if you don't step in, if it does become violent, then you're like you're the guy who didn't step in and you taped it, and I'm just like,
0: well, so this didn't seem like it was gonna get violent because it was a woman screaming at a man and she was not
4: standing up. Well you know who broke up the so fight? So it didn't
0: look like she was about to hit him. Who
4: broke up the fight yesterday? It was an old man. Was it? Like a seventy-five year old man. That's the greatest generation. Like an old man.
3: I broke up the a fight a while
4: all. It was pretty epic.
3: <laughs> and <laughs> wait. <laughs> I broke up the fight. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so, so people
4: can't see Duncan. We got a rash you, man. Need,
3: you need to stop. Duncan's <laughs> I, I 100. This.
4: Duncan's 135 pounds. We'll in in Park we'll d-
3: Slope, a cab driver was being attacked. And I ran up and started like shouting at the person, and they backed off. Being attacked physically? Yeah, yeah. Being punched in the face. Are you kidding me? Yeah, the they hadn't had to their that. fare, and the cab driver was trying to make them pay.
0: Did you even? Was it instant? Is that when the training kicks in, or like <laughs> <laughs> what?
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, Dude, hit, hit the, the applause
0: wonder. button. Is Duncan like secretly a purple belt?
3: We don't know about it. Wait, I, so I did take taekwondo ty-
0: as a kid. Were you ready to fight though? Like, if you I had mean, to? I
3: was hoping not to.
0: If this person turned on you, would you like be you be prepared?
3: I mean, I guess.
0: Yeah, not that like I'm a great fighter, but I would definitely so be afraid not. for your safety if you got into a fight. <laughs> no, 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 no offense whatsoever. You don't even eat red. Aubrey meat.
3: Aubrey carries pepper spray, so I would have been fine. <laughs> you right.
0: don't even eat red meat. No, like I don't feel <laughs> like you. I don't feel like you have enough anger to like sustain. The level that you would need. I don't know if you have enough adrenaline for that. Oh, my God. Not even talking about musculature. I'm just talking musculature. about, Musculature. Like, I feel like you need to be, like, angry enough to sustain a fight or you're going to lose. Yeah. Right?
3: Yeah, no, I was just trying to keep a guy from getting beaten to a pole.
0: Okay. Was Mike, Was Michael thankful after when you said it was that? Michael. <laughs> All right. So, congratulations on that. We're really proud of you. John, let's get clicking. Let's get rolling here. Everybody's got, everybody's got stuff to do tonight.
4: Yeah, remember when we used to ride scooters, when we were riding scooters in Austin? Yes. That was fun. (laughs) Okay. Ben reminded me of that today. We were riding scooters in Los Angeles, right? Welcome to The
0: Compound and Friends. All opinions expressed by me, Michael Batnick, and our castmates are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Ritholtz Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.
4: Today's show is brought to you by Cadre. Cadre is a next generation real estate investment platform that provides accredited investors with access to fully vetted institutional quality commercial real estate assets. Cadre has closed more than $3.5 billion in real estate transactions across more than 22 markets. And they report an impressive track record in the high teens on their website. They are bringing commercial real estate to individuals, allowing them to invest alongside some of the world's most prestigious institutions. And they are backed by some of the biggest names out there, like Andreessen Horowitz, Goldman Sachs, and the Harvard Management Company. Ben and I recently talked to Ryan Williams, the founder and CEO of Cadre and Animal Spirits. So check that out. The talent that they have is a who's who in commercial real estate. To learn more and for key disclaimers and risks, please visit go.cadre.com slash compound.
0: All right, we're here. Sh- Shannon is here. I'm here. Shannon, the audience doesn't know a lot about you. It's your first time on the show, so we're going to give you a really nice introduction. That's amazing. Okay. You and I went down to Washington, D.C. two years ago. Yes. Yes. Okay. It was me, you, Scott Wapner, Jenny, ha- Jenny Harrington. Yep. Who else? It was just the just the four of us. I feel we like there was an Ajarian involved always.
2: They, he wasn't there for dinner though. He had other plans.
0: So all right, we went out for dinner. We went out for dinner with Mary before the, sh- the night before the show. Yeah. But then all right, but then he was on the show the next day. He was. Anyway, wow. we had a lot of fun, and what I learned about you is that you're a very healthy eater. And you sat next to me at a steakhouse and you like acted like nothing was wrong. You were totally cool with what I was doing there. So I, I wanted <laughs> Wait, to Wait, elaborate, elaborate. say that. Elaborate. I to say that. <laughs> it's, Josh nothing, was it's, dipping his steak in butter. There's not, yeah, I was putting butter in my coffee. There's nothing to elaborate on. Shannon Sakosha is here. Shannon, you are the CIO at Boston Private. What is Boston Private? Give us like the, give us like the overview.
2: Boston Private is a private bank. We do wealth management, you know, traditional banking. We were yes. purchased by Silicon Valley Bank okay. in July of this year. Okay, so we are now the the private bank within Silicon Valley Bank. So we, you know, manage wealth, lending, banking. Typical you guys, are, private you guys, are bank huge.
0: Stuff. Silicon Valley Bank is huge. It is okay. So there's um, a lot of wealth for you to manage.
2: I sure hope so. Yeah, <laughs> we're really excited about the combination. <laughs>
0: okay, that's very cool. When did that close?
2: July first.
0: Okay. How so? How big is the combined entity, if you don't mind my asking?
2: Yeah, from an AUM perspective, it's probably right around 18 or 19 billion now in assets. <laughs> so.
0: All right. Ben Carlson is in the house. Ben, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. There you go. All right. Uh, the first thing we we're going to do this week, guys, and I I added this at the last minute. I felt like that unemployment number was pretty. Uh, uh, uh jobless claim number was. Definitely worth talking about. So initial jobless claims fell to 184,000 in the weekend of December 4th, which is the lowest level since September 1969. Nice. Uh <laughs> not nice, Michael. Uh the prior week's level was by the all right. So we're still we still don't have like a universally accepted answer at what's going on here. How you can have jobless claims hit a fifty year low and have and have this situation still with so much unemployment, just generally speaking, um, and people not filing and not seeming to like need something to do. So we try to explain this, I think, through the prism of entrepreneurship. Is that enough? Or is there is there more to it than that?
2: I I think it's just people that have that are that were, you know, tertiarily involved in the job market That's prior. That's not to- a real
0: word. Okay. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, but it's definitely not. <laughs> If you' yeah. say enough confidence it's a word <laughs> tertiarily <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. they were involved it, they were not they were in the job market prior to the prior to the pandemic. now there are people that are no longer on you know the typical roles, and we talked about this for years about Uber and all of these you know kind of ride sharing. you know, I think that there are more and more people that have either left the workforce entirely because they haven't been able to replicate or they don't want to replicate what they were doing prior to the pandemic because it was some sort of services job that didn't allow them, you know, really any upward mobility. Or we've gotten to the point where maybe that baby boom, you know, we talked about all of these retirees. Did they really just retire and they're like, I'm not going back? Because the participation rate is still lower than it was prior to the pandemic, and there's really no movement there. But the unemployment rates across different demographics have improved. So it's not like you can still point to just, like, women aren't going back or – I just think that a bunch but of. But how people are we going to sell
0: magazine them. articles if we don't say exactly? Well, to your point, going though, <laughs> like
1: there's three million people that drive for Doordash now. Where do they come from? Like they what, were they come from some, what were they doing?
4: What were they doing two years ago? And I also, here's another but, thing. isn't like 90 of them part time?
1: That, yeah, that's what I mean. So do they have a few part time gigs? So they do right. Uber and Doordash and Lyft, and they so they're just not W two, and they're never going to. Did be. Did you
4: read Derek's piece on the Great Formation? I didn't, but I imagine you did because he was talking about this.
1: Well, if you also have, like, the total quits in the U.S. right now is 4 million people. And so people are probably just in between. I think, is it possible? I, I'm a Jerome Powell stan, and I stand with the U.S. We government but,
4: uh, Take coming. By take, the, w- this by the way, I'm confident in my <laughs> assertions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's you. I made it on the board. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is it possible that all these surveys are just really screwed up right now?
4: This chart is permanently broken. Yes. These are initial jobless claims going back 50 years. It is per- you, This this chart is now garbage. Look what the pandemic did to this chart. It's completely meaningless. You have to adjust that
0: by not, we, by not including
4: like, last honestly, year. Honestly, how do we take this out? So
1: you have people coming into the labor market and going out of it in their part-time jobs, and they're, they're stopping to watch their kids. and There's all these different moving parts. Is it possible that it's harder to track this stuff right now, and all this stuff is going to wash yes. out in like a, a year? And we're we like, have to measure in, it differently. Really
0: we have to we have to get a different data source than what we used to use. Yeah, like what shadow stats? Uh, <laughs> no, like maybe maybe how how much how, how much money is flowing into people's bank accounts is what they want to do. They want to start tracking deposits into bank accounts. I don't know if they'll if they'll be able to, but that sounds seems the so. IRS wants to do that. Maybe that's the right data source. People have money coming in from somewhere. Is that
4: invasive? Of course,
0: it's invasive. I don't want it, but like I, I if if you have people not on W two and that's what they're tracking, if you have millions of people who will never be W two ever again, then how are we ever going to fix what we think the measurement is? I don't, I don't have an answer. R- r- rhetorical question. What do you got on this?
2: I, I think there's inefficiency in the data gathering too. I mean, how many there's there's not enough jobs of the people that are supposed to be gathering the data to be able to get good data. So we have that's why we're getting all these revisions. I mean, that's jobs not a high
0: pay. Are, that's not a high high enough paying job data well, gathering for um, unemployment. I,
2: I don't think so. But it's also people that were that's their that was their second and third job that picking up those se- second and third jobs. That's where we've lost like a lot of folks.
4: You know where we're losing people. We're losing people to Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. There's 16,000 people with over $5 million. You. Dollars. Yeah,
1: you're lost in a <laughs> metaverse.
0: This guy's guy fucking gone. There's
4: 16,000 people that have $5 million in Bitcoin that are never coming back to the job
0: Michael's market. Michael's answer to every question I'm going to ask today is Bitcoin. <laughs> just, just, I'm, I'm just
4: kidding. I'm giving you that.
2: <laughs> I'm talking about those people in the mall with the clipboard and you're talking about crypto billionaires.
0: <laughs> yeah, surely there must be a crypto-related uh, answer right? to this. Am I right? You must be. I, I can't imagine it any other way. All right, earnings growth. Who put this in the doc? Is it you? I did. What's going on here?
4: I'll tell you what's John, going on. John, do we have this chart? Last there's decade, f- real earnings growth? There's a few things going on. Okay. Go I mean, ahead. All right, so what we're looking at is earnings growth by decade going back to the Civil War. And look at this chart. Look Wait. At- <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's earnings growth by decade going back to the Who 1900s. Who collecting
1: the data in the Civil War, please? <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. By so, horseback from so, town to town. So the
4: point is the past decade – 2010 to 2020 was the best annualized real earnings growth for the U.S. stock market since 1870. Really? How about that? It's that's almost
0: a, as if the rally has been justified that, all along. That,
1: that really surprised John, me. Put my my chart of the, the one with the dividends and earnings growth on there. I'm going to skip ahead here a little bit okay. to show you because people hate good news. No, say?
4: no. They hate a stock market rally that's justified by so good
1: news. John Bogle has this equation where he says – returns are dividend yield plus earnings growth and then the difference or the delta right is the change in pe so look at the 2010s look at that earnings growth
0: wait what so because this is a podcast let's say what it
4: is uh, uh, earnings growth for the 2010s decade so this is what we're going to talk about it was so 3.6% so the annual returns we're all earnings growth, very little multiple expansion, right? So
0: P.E. change was plus 1%. That's it. So earnings growth was 10.6. So annual returns worked out to 13.6%. And this is
1: a little bit of like a backfill of an equation. It's that the P.E. E. is just a, a filler, basically. Look and at the,
0: look, at, look, at, uh, look at the 50s. 3.9% earnings growth, which is very poor. P.E. change,
4: 20% annual Because earnings were – the P.E. was depressed, obviously, after World War II. Right.
0: Okay. All right. So that makes sense. So this is
4: a good chart to dovetail into what Ben was just talking about. Let's throw up the valuation chart, Big John. So Urien Timmer, who does amazing work for Fidelity, tweeted, Earnings have done all the heavy lifting for more than a year now – the combination of slowing but positive earnings growth and a sideways to down PE multiple suggests a flattening out of the bull market slope. So what we're looking at, guys, for people that can't see this, listen to the podcast, is the S and P five hundred over time rising, obviously, but for the le- for the better part of the last year and a half, the PE multiple has gone sideways to down, it's which tracking. is a, which is a good thing. That stocks are going up despite the fact that the multiple is compressing. It's all earnings growth. This is this is good. The the thing the the thing that's so funny is though how many people think it is is the
0: opposite, right. how many people they think it's all multiple expansion their narrative is that the Fed is driving multiple expansion, right. and we're showing literally it's the opposite over the last what, how long eighteen months Shannon
4: Wayne.
2: But it's not. I mean, but this is. But I think this is even more concerning, right? Because if we're actually knowing it's not multiple uh, expansion. Yeah. Because where, span- is multiple expansion? Like, where is the yeah. multiple expansion? I mean, if we have earnings that are doing this well, they're probably not going to grow at the same pace. Good because point. if you think about also what's been driving those earnings growth and those that those businesses that have been driving those that earnings growth, are they going to do quite as well? well in yeah. The to next your few point, years? it's
1: it's. I mean, isn't the earnings growth all spending from the government basically? Not all. Well, over the last year and a half, yeah, a lot of it. I mean, that yeah, that, this this one period.
0: So, all right. So then now you're in a situation where you've probably seen some of the best earnings growth you're ever going to see. Then you have to make a bet on multiple expansion. Is that the point? Like, how else do stocks go higher?
2: Well, yeah, if, if you think that they're going to go higher, you have to be counting on that. And then you have to start to get down to where where – what is going to drive that multiple expansion if we've had all this good news – Michael, to your point, and we haven't seen multiple expansion, <laughs> what's going to get well, us there in the next two years?
4: What's interesting is the next chart, which is breaking down 2021 equity return decomposition. I know nobody could see this, but it's it's a similar chart to what we're showing. So all the way on the left, we've got the U.S. You see the total return with a black dot, kind of hard to see. You've got the earnings growth, and then you've got the P.E. multiple uh, c- uh, contracting a little bit.
0: Uh, so wait a minute. So wait a minute. 30% thirty percent earnings, earnings growth. growth for the U.S. and negative uh multiple. On, on the multiple right
4: but look at look at other areas of the world like look at europe
0: this is universal this is across every
4: every so europe but but europe and japan like crushed the multiple was crushed even with and look at the earnings growth in europe and japan 40% so, so, don't you and think multiples contracted the are- stock
1: market had a 30% multiple compression this year so isn't this the the like i'm defending the fed here again shocking everyone always talks about well it's low interest rates and it's the fed that is causing stocks to rise why aren't stocks rising more in Europe and Japan if they're doing this they're spending just as much money and their rates are are lower than ours? They need a better
0: Fed chairman. Yeah, they need they need a Fed chairman that wants to focus on more multiple expansion. <laughs>
2: It's not, tra- it's not trans. It's there, the, the transmission isn't as effective there because there's no fiscal policy boost as well. I mean, if you go back to 2011, the reason why all that Fed accommodation, which obviously is dwarfed now with what we've seen in 2020. But there was a huge amount of accommodation in 2009 by the Fed and then Washington didn't do anything. So you don't get that. And I think that's why, you know, you're not really seeing. I mean, the Japanese haven't played ball in years from the fiscal perspective. Can we also either. say
1: there's not as many psychos? In Europe and Japan is like we have crazy our like gambling spirit, right?
0: We also have an equity mentality here. Yeah,
1: yes, they yeah they they're more about real estate and saving, and we're about gambling.
0: Right. Like uh, who they're we talk about society? Yeah, we, <laughs> <were laughs> we were talking. Uh, I think we were talking to Jay's His family in Spain or something. Jay? Yeah. Oh, Tony. Yeah, I think something he was saying explaining something about how like retirees in Europe they know exactly how many dollars they have to spend each week. And that's just how they are in retirement. Like They're, they're not betting on the stock market. Now, we're
4: all about play to earn in the stock market in these United States,
0: right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think there's just more of a mentality like, well, anything can happen. And then you have people that are retirees in other countries and they're kind of like, nope, this is what I have. And this is what's going to be coming in. And this is how I live based on that. So there's some, there's some elements to that. What's this? Uh... Skip this. Let, let's, let's, let's move
4: on to expected returns. Okay. What do we got here? Ben?
1: This is from Vanguard. And they gave expected returns for U.S. equities and value and growth and REITs and all these different – and they also predicted their inflation. So this is for the next 10 years. And this is not not GMO who has been predicting low expected returns for a while now, for like a decade. Vanguard has been pretty reasonable with their expected returns. These are really low. So that's U.S. equities. 2.3 Two point three to four point three percent. That's nominal. Wait, not ben, real.
0: this is their expectation for the next ten years. Ten years.
1: Look at so, so a, a,
0: average annual returns annual over ten returns. years. And these US are nominal
1: growth. US growth. <laughs> growth is negative. <laughs> Oof. Value is a little higher. So this is a function of the current valuation. And, and much higher in developed, you know, uh, XUS.
0: Okay, so Vanguard is putting out there that they think U.S. equities will do something between two and a half and four and a half percent for the next 10 years. Nominal. With six, nominal, with 16.7% volatility. That's not a good-
1: And they say, and, and again, Vanguard has been pretty constructive on returns of late. Now, I, I wanted to put like, what is the previous 10 been? Just to show this. And this might, so I, I used all Vanguard funds. Here, so The US stock market has done 16%. This is surprising. What do you think value has done without looking? Annualized returns 11, over the last 10 years. Last 10 years? 11, 12? 13 and a half. 13 People and a half. think value is dead.
0: Yeah. Thirteen and a half is pretty damn good.
1: International stocks have done like seven. Value, which everyone has just been stomping on its grave, is up thirteen percent. Growth is up nineteen percent per year. That's why it's all relative. So small claps are up fourteen percent per year. Reads are up eleven. Claps.
0: What is the here's a small clap. What is the, what is the difference between the way Vanguard thinks about expected returns versus GMO? Did you read this piece?
1: I didn't read it yet. Vanguard is GMO does mean reversion. Yeah. it's going to come back to this. P.E. ratio. And profit margins. Yeah, I think Vanguard is more in the Bogle camp where it's like dividend yield, earnings growth, that sort of, then P.E.
4: So they're less, they're less, uh, go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to say, if, you, if they're looking at dividend growth, then that's obviously why you get that delta between global and the U.S. Because right. dividend policy yeah. has completely changed for U.S. companies. European
4: stocks are yielding like four and a half, five. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. are, they, are they incorporating shareholder
0: yield? Or like, are they thinking about buybacks? Because... We're going to have a trillion dollars in buybacks this year and
4: probably next year.
2: I think they only look at dividend, like actual cash flow through dividend policy, right? I could be wrong about that. I've been I've
4: been expecting low returns for five years, so.
2: Well, it's
1: a lot of people have, but yeah, no, I mean, no one is positioned for this, obviously, but don't you think, so I, I put out some analogies, like w- where we are right now, everything feels good, but you have people who've had experiences in the market that could go, I, I'm one of three ways here, which is what people are thinking. So you have. Some people say we're going to the 70s. It's going to be stagflation, high inflation. Other people say, wait a minute. I see this big tech boom coming over the next decade, and it's kind of like we had the 80s boom that led into the 90s. And then other people say, no, wait, this is 2000 euphoria. It's coming to an end, right? Like, I feel like any path you want to take right now or put out there for the market scenario historically, you could make a good case right now.
0: Well, there's just no way of knowing what will be the things that influence consumer behavior in the coming decade. Because if you were if you were thinking like in the early nineties, you didn't know that mobile phones and the internet were gonna come along within five years. You had no way of knowing. Nobody knew. Like Mark Andreessen didn't know and he was working on it. So you don't know what will be occupying our time and attention and dollars five years from now.
4: What if the metaverse adds eight trillion dollars in market cap to US equities? Then what? What if,
2: <laughs> what if, what if? But what if the metaverse takes sucks money out of everything else, like services and goods, and then you're in a completely you that's cannibalized.
0: What if we have a, a great depression because everybody is running around with bunny ears and a rocket pack on their computer screen, and they just can't get out of the metaverse? Like I, I, I feel as
4: though. Did we talk about Lawnmower Man? a la the metaverse a few months ago. One time, I wasn't me. I know. Movie. I'm. Awful I'm. Movie. I'm familiar with the film.
1: Wouldn't six to seven percent annual returns in the U.S. in two to three percent inflation? I take be, that. Wouldn't that be the one that everyone is kind of wrong on? Yeah. It's like oh, okay, it's just kind of boring.
0: Yeah. Uh, the path to get there probably wouldn't be boring though, right? Probably, you probably still have a boom bust and then end up there. If if you look back on ten years, if you uh, if you consider like some of the things that went on with, let's just say, drug discovery. It's very clear that we're going to have a different path toward developing medicine post-pandemic versus pre. Um, what if all of a sudden that's the next boom? And MRNA? The, the smartest people in the economy working on that, and there being a ton of money to be made. Like we just don't – I I just feel very – I feel very strongly that we really have no idea. In that idea. scenario, the boomers live an
1: extra 20 years. The millennials are all pissed because they don't get the inheritance, and we riot in the streets.
0: Boomers living an extra 20 years. What does that do to allocations? <laughs> I More <would> stocks. stocks. <laughs> More stocks. Every oh path God. so every path leads to higher stocks, I think is the, the important pretty much. I think uh, we all agree. I think we all agree on that. What is it what is this chart with all the rainbow colors? I can't say. Ben, it. is this you? What is this? Who did this. Oh, Joel, that's me. Shannon. Shannon, Shana, what do we got here?
2: So I had a conversation with somebody this week, and they were telling me how um, they were not interested in the international markets because they were still excited about like the cyclical exposure in the S&P 500 and how we were going to see this cyclical rotation and the true value rotation was going to happen. Buying the- then why aren't you buying international right. stocks? Do you have I clients
1: mean- who are just throwing their hands up and saying, why do we own these? Why do we own foreign stocks?
2: for years yeah. for years but the point is is that the argument was around why i they were defending being underweight international with this cyclical argument about the fact that we are seeing this value rotation. And I was like, you're making my point for me. I don't even have to do this. (laughs) Right.
0: You're not going to get the full benefit of it if you're just U.S. stocks. If
2: you're just U.S. stocks. And it's going to be if you if you actually think that this is going to accelerate through the second half of next year, you're going to be killed in the S&P 500 as it rotates.
1: This is the EFA sector weights.
2: weights. So it's 17 percent financials, 16 percent industrials, Tech is less than ten percent of the EFA.
1: That's
0: unbelievable to me. Still, so, after all this time,
4: you could easily make the case that we are in the early innings of the growth to value rotation.
2: Well, if you were sitting, if we were sitting here talking in two thousand and six, we'd be all talking about how dead the right. U.S. stock market was. And if I look at this, and you're telling me the cyclical rebound is is here, and it has, it can persist and sustain for a couple of years, I don't know why you're not in you, Europe regardless we need, of the growth situation.
1: Do we need the dollar to fall too? It seems like the period of yeah. falling dollar is always good for international stocks. Is that like a prerequisite or do you think that just helps like as a tailwind?
2: It's generally a tailwind because I think if you look at like local returns versus net in USD returns there's obviously something happening there from, from that perspective. But I don't actually think like I've been asked, do I have to have a, a, a weak dollar outlook to be an international? No, I, I just think I need to look at this sector chart and just buy the index and benefit from you know potential increasing rate, you know continued outsized inflation scenario. And in nobody's year.
4: positioned for multiple expansion international stocks because it's of, been so
0: long. Because one of the problems, because one of the problems is that emerging markets are such a basket case. You're not going to get this cyclical upturn. That you want if China remains in the state that it's in It's just it's not it it has never happened in like modern time, so it, it like even Europe benefits from trading with China like China has to like i don't and I don't, believe me we're not gonna we're not gonna arrive at the answer today it's just hard for me to accept this idea of materials and industrials outperforming if e m remains the way it is, Do I have that somewhat right, do you think?
2: No, I think that's the case, and I also think that then you go back to well, where does the economic growth that would need to drive investor appetite and interest in Europe? It, you got to have the rest of the economy globally has to be firing on all cylinders because yeah. they're not doing anything pro growth in the European Union whatsoever. And I'm sorry, the Brexit situation in the UK—I mean, they can't even get trucks. Yeah. So, <laughs> the, I think it's me a few. The years. Germans
0: have to be able to sell shit to China, or else. Yeah. Or else. Take that whole cyclical value rotation off the table. Like at least as a long term thing. Well,
2: during the you know, the height of the trade war in 2018 and 2019, people got really excited about Europe because they're like, Great, we're gonna have this expanded trading relationship with China because it we thought China was gonna keep growing well, you know, two, three X of the rest of the world from a GDP perspective. Now they're putting the brakes on and saying uh, we might do five, but it's probably going to be more like four. That nobody gets excited about 4% are you guys, growth.
1: Are you guys surprised that they haven't taken any of that, those tariffs off in a higher inflation environment? Like they you? haven't? Have they? Not really, right? Like no.
2: He's, policy is essentially the same. And That seems like a layup
1: to me. Why don't you say we can immediately help inflation by taking these tariffs
2: off? There was, there was an article. It was, I think it was Musk, right? He was talking about graphite for the SpaceX and he there's huge there's still a huge tariff on graphite, and he was saying, "You gotta pull this off because exactly what you're saying my my costs, my input costs are so high. like why do we still have all these tariffs on i I think it's a political hot potato. I think if uh I president agree with you. if Biden can just stay out of it, he doesn't it, it's it is what it is, and but he some of these tariffs
0: sunset, so I feel like they are gonna come some of them will come off automatically, or
2: there's a group of them um that should. Right. But there but I think there's some contingencies on that phase one deal too, which they're clearly not meeting.
0: Yeah, so Biden can't do it because politically it just it's not a good look. And we all know that we all know that anything that happens in China, it really takes a while to understand what the market implications might be.
1: I was kind of blown away by how angry people are getting with inflation. So I thought like you pull the easy levers that you can say, like I can point to this and say we're relieving cost pressures where we can because yeah. people hate inflation. They hate it.
0: He's at 57% disapprove of, of Joe Biden and almost all of that. If it's not related to crime, it's related to inflation. Like these are the two things that he's going to get hammered on.
4: Why doesn't he do a U.S. dollar buyback? What do you, what do you want – uh,
0: All right, so – so I think this is a good this is a good segue to international stocks sucking uh, excuse me, to credit driven asset price inflation. Did what do we you, got here? Did you guys read this thing from verdad? I thought it was I thought it was pretty well well done. Basically, uh hey, let me go through this oh, really
4: let me, let me, I didn't read it. let me do it right now. I'll read it right now. Yeah,
0: read it right now while I read it. Uh, <laughs> here's the TLDR. Credit is extremely cheap and extremely accessible. That is driving rising asset prices in three key markets. Public equity private equity and housing in each of these markets, rising asset prices are accompanied by decreasing loan to value ratios, falling debt costs, and most strikingly asset prices that look extremely high relative to history. So he's making the point that now you have both risks at once. You have like a right. lot of lending with low, you know, low uh, covenants and, and you have very, very high prices. Cool. And his point is the Silla and Corbdis of investing are bankruptcy risk and overvaluation risk. When credit fuels rising valuations, investors should be doubly concerned. It's not a great starting point for 2022. Josh,
1: you're like the Greek <laughs> tragedy guy. What is Scylla and Charybdis? So, uh,
0: during the Odyssey, during that voyage? I knew, I knew he would know this. D- during during <laughs> that during that voyage, uh, there's a narrow part sea lane they have to get through. On one side is one monster. I forget. I f- I feel like Scylla was like a sea monster. And then Carib, this is this whirlpool that sucks boats in. I oh, have this. Okay. Shannon knows his shit, too. Uh, classically educated. That's
2: right. right? <laughs> I, went, okay. I went to liberal
1: arts school and Re- i know nothing about
2: Regional it. Regional high school, baby.
0: <laughs> no, but you're from New England. They, like, really educate people still there.
2: They, they do. They yeah. do try. Josh was
0: classically
4: trained at Jones Beach. That's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can I do a quick verbal meme here, though? Uh, Please. Regular Winnie the Pooh. Prices are rising. Winnie the Pooh in a tuxedo. Asset price inflation.
0: Winnie the Pooh in a tuxedo with a monocle, <laughs> Scylla and Charybdis.
1: Okay, but don't you think that low interest rates paper over all of this? I know that that's kind of what they're saying, but
4: well, they have yes, but but forever.
2: How do rates, rates never how, up. Do how do rates how-
4: rise? Rates are never going up. Do you agree with this?
2: Yeah, they, they look at if you look at the spreads right now, it's actually hard for the Fed to raise rates that much anyway, even where we are right now.
0: The Fed's not going to invert the curve on purpose. No, right? So- oh.
2: Josh
4: was saying, he's consensus, consensus, consensus. I really am. Josh thinks there's going to be three rate hikes next year. Yeah, I do. Do, do you believe? that He thinks 75 basis points for the Fed funds rate next year. Because yeah, I'm and bullish. I,
2: I, I think they raise, and then I think they three stop. Three times? Yeah, I think they, I think two two or three, what and then I get think to, they stop. Really? What did they I get to they last time?
0: Stop. What did they get to last time? Do you two, have like a really big Fed outlook two and a quarter? here?
2: Two, I really do. I really.
0: You're cherry on this
4: one. I've got a Fed outlook, guys.
0: Seventy-five <laughs> basis points is not is not really high. To me, weights. that
4: sounds like seventy-five million basis points. I don't think they're going to do it. That's but are it.
1: they just raising them so they can lower drop them again
4: <laughs> for the next emergency? Yes,
2: but that's that's exactly why they did it before. So <laughs> let's get it over with. Just keep them low.
4: <laughs> yeah. Why would they? They're ra- going to raise The market's, market's going to vomit, and they're going to lower them.
2: They're going to they're going to accelerate the taper. And then they're going to get to the point where now they're like, oh, I, we've tapered. So we have to raise rates. Meanwhile, inflation is going to be coming down because the only thing that's going to be sticky is wages. And then all of a sudden it's going to be like, oh, we did it twice. And look, look what we did. <laughs> Prices how, are coming down. And how, then they'll stop.
0: How important is having a view on Fe- where Fed funds rates could go in the next year, let's say, to the way that you're talking about allocating portfolios? Not, it's it's not important at all, right? It's not that
2: important.
4: Because you I, can't predict it. Yeah.
0: No, no, no. Of course you can't. Of course you can't predict it. Let's say you could. How much would it really change in terms of your return expectations for a portfolio? It's not
2: going to change my return expectations. And the way I look at it is that you're really keyed on client liquidity. Like, do they need liquidity? And so even if they're not going to – if they're not going to make really poor returns in bonds, if I know that they need money in liquid form that is not going to move in value – they're probably going to be in short duration bonds, regardless yeah, can, yeah. of what I think.
1: Yeah, it's duration is the, the risk there, right? Is is that if right. Three
0: rate hikes is not gonna change how much you're allocating to bonds. The decision point on bonds is like how much do I need to have not at risk for whatever my to do? Well, client also to Ben's do. point,
2: if it's a year it's under a year duration, then no, it's not gonna, it's not gonna, it's not gonna And if at you're all.
1: holding shorter term bonds, rising rates are a good thing because right. you can then reinvest at higher rates. Right.
0: You'll never make money otherwise if rates don't go on. Yeah,
1: you you need them to rise a little bit eventually.
0: Okay. Uh Let's get into this Vanguard thing. So this surprised me. I I guess probably because I'm not paying close attention. Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund is $1.3 trillion. It is now accounts for 10% of all assets in U.S. stock mutual funds and ETFs. That's crazy. In the whole market. Did you think it was this big?
2: I didn't think it was this big. Um, but like backing it up, I can see how it could be this big because I think I see enough pension plan, like investor, you know, schools and stuff, and this is always their the mainstay of their every retirement plan.
0: So if you want to know why there's uh three trillion dollars in Apple, this goes kind of a long way toward explaining All how that,
2: that could happen. Like people
1: talk about, it, and I include us in this people, is speculating and Robinhood traders. Look at this. This is amazing. This is like give me an applause on this. This is awesome. Like it really is, right?
0: Because this is the opposite of that narrative that everyone's behaving like a maniac.
1: Yes, this is this is the everyone is is actually investing, like in a reasonable way. A lot of money is going into this, and maybe people are speculating on the side.
0: So what's funny is the second largest fund, is the Vanguard S and P five (laughs) hundred, eight hundred twenty one billion, which we can only assume will ultimately end up at a trillion. It's it's not going to take much.
2: But isn't isn't that the bigger risk for when we talk about like speculating on retirement money? You know, the bigger risk is that people start to have to speculate on retirement money cuz stuff like this when we get like a, if we get a bad growth rotation, right, out of tech stocks and you go back to the Janus Fund nightmare of 2000, 2001. Right. This is where the concern is because this this is this is safe money. This is this is a big index. I don't have to worry about it, but People don't understand that there's things in the dynamic if we're shifting in the next year in the next 10 years those first couple of years are going to be painful for people potentially in this bucket right. but I think that's why we have speculation in retirement not because we're different than the Europeans but because there's so many so many underfunded retirements in this country that I think people feel the need to speculate.
4: Uh has tweeted that Vanguard is at 300 billion dollars on ETF flows which is so we could be, we could potentially be at 350 this billion. year. Yeah, we could potentially be at 350, right? It's 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 early December. The previous record was last year 200 billion. It's 300 already this year.
0: And, and Vanguard took in 300 billion <laughs> in a year. So
1: do you do you think that like the the bad part about this could be getting back to your growth and value thing? this is really growth heavy now. Like the total stock market and the S and P is very growth heavy. Well, it is the five or 25%. But do you think that those big companies, Amazon, Apple, are they even growth anymore? Or are they just like in their own category now? Is it really like, they're, sov- they're like sovereign nations. That's practical. what I'm saying. Is it, is it your stand? Like, could you have all these other growth stocks that are already getting pummeled and these other big stocks, are, in- are they their own? That happened now? this
4: week. When, when the growth stocks were getting murdered, Apple's making all time highs.
0: Yeah, I listen, I I feel like people are like obsessing over the growth trade, the growth trade. These stocks are not moving with Adobe and uh and Shopify. Like Apple and Microsoft are not doing what actual growth stocks are doing. They almost seem as though people feel more confident in Tim Cook than they do in Joe Biden. And money is just going into... Well, it
4: depends how you slice growth stocks. Are you talking about growth stocks that are losing money? Like those type of growth stocks? No.
0: The next 50 down after the top five. By market cap? Yeah.
4: Yeah, so these, these are in a class of their own.
0: These They are Th- not someone, acting like, like these. You
4: don't think Apple can get cut in half? No, I don't. Come
1: on. No, I really don't. I really don't. I think I- 20 to 30%. I I kind of agree with Josh. In half... No, no fucking way.
4: It's
0: 2.9 trillion. T- you have to tell me a story then why all of the liquidity sw- sloshing around in the world suddenly aliens. disappears. Aliens. Aliens. I don't know. Okay, fine. So if I- we get aliens, aliens. you know how much
1: infrastructure we're going to be spending on?
4: Yeah. If we, we get aliens. The, the, White the, the, the Fed is going to juice this so hard. If aliens will
0: be bullish. If we get aliens, we're going to get a whole new round of, uh, <laughs> of, of stimulus. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can't imagine a scenario. So, of course, it's going to start happening tomorrow where Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet get cut in half, absent. A massive recession. I just I can't picture it, and the reason why I can't picture it is because what we've basically done in this country is we've tied everybody's retirement to the stock market, and these are the biggest, most profitable companies in the world. Well, I agree. It's not going to happen for no reason. It's it's going to have to be something extraordinary, so shocking. What are these stocks? What did these stocks do uh, last March? They fell thirty. Did
2: they?
1: Apple fell 30. Amazon is down 20 maybe.
2: Yeah, I'll not try. as much. But to that point, also the the folks that have made total market index the biggest holding from a retirement perspective, they're not changing their mind over the next right. two years. that's true. So, so the, it's to your point, like Apple's going to sit where it sits because those funds are going to sit where they sit. And the con- the construction of those retirement portfolios isn't going to change overnight. And so we probably can weather if it's like a rate storm because there's, there's a growth scare. Um, but I don't disagree with you. I, I look at-
4: Apple for 31. I
2: hate talking about tech because I think that there are clearly two camps and people talk about them as one big group. And yeah. I couldn't disagree more in constructing a portfolio that way.
0: So what what's so interesting to me we I meet people and they're like what do I do should I buy Apple should I buy Amazon and I'm like you own so much Amazon right you own so much Apple if you have a 401k and a 529 plan for each of your kids you have tons of exposure to Apple
1: Well we were just talking before this if you a lot of people now own the Nasdaq 100 as well they view that as like a core holding 50% of that fund is in the top 5 companies so that's even more Overweight to those companies. Do you think so? If we're like you're talking about why these stocks could fall, I don't know if I'm coining this myself, but like, let's look at a white swan, like a risk we can see. Okay. Is the white swan out there just that like inflation goes away and the Fed raises rates to one or 2%? Is that the only like risk we can see that would, that you could see? Really, bringing the stock market down twenty percent for like a fair market. what's a
0: reason that everybody agrees would drop the stock market twenty percent? Yes, oh no, the I, Fed I gets think very aggressive. I was,
4: the Fed, that's that's a layup. Like like that's the easy, only like, one though, right? That's, could easily, that's happen. Point, easily happen. Could easily happen. Yeah. So last year, it's a White Swan, Apple, and Microsoft each uh, Apple, Microsoft, and Google each fell around thirty. Amazon only fell twenty-two. Pretty. So, pretty oh, amazing. here's a scenario
0: where Apple get cut in half.
4: You know, Regula- we're not uh, regulation. We're, you know, we're not sending
0: um, any. Dignitaries to the Olympics in oh, in China. A. What if China says, "Oh yeah, how about no fucking Apple iPhones in in China?" And I wouldn't put that past like if they if they wanted to put a lot of pressure on the average American, they could start screwing with some of our corporations that need China. Now, fortunately, Apple seems to be the most exposed to China of the the Fang names, right? Not it's not important to Amazon. Alphabet's not even there. Facebook's not even there. Uh, if if they decided, you know what, all this money that we're making because of Apple, let's just let's just get rid of them, or let's put pressure on them. I could see a scenario where Apple falls a lot. So that is a is that a white swan? I guess because it's like in plain yeah. it's in plain sight that they could retaliate in some way that really hurts the stock market. You hurt the stock market bad enough, you hurt the sitting president.
2: Well, you also—it's not just consuming; it's supplying, right? We're, I mean, you know, if they just decide like we're not selling to any of these U.S. companies anymore, we're not giving you our rare earth metals. We're not—I mean, the the China thing to me is a much bigger kind of long term concern because I think that is going to raise costs. I, I think that there's going to be this continued. You know, diplomatic tiptoeing that's going to happen that's going to transcend to my point about whether it's Trump or Biden, it's going to transcend all of these administrations, yeah, because they don't they're they're really looking inward now. This is an entirely different Chinese government was, than it was ten years there ago. There are so
0: many gigantic companies in the indexes that are so reliant on China for their future growth expectations. Just take three: Disney, uh Nike and Tesla. So taking Apple out of the picture, if you understand where they're saying that their future profits going to come from, and you look at the infrastructure that they've built in China, and you look at like how much focus has gone into selling into that massive economy, um, if the diplomatic situation gets materially worse, you absolutely could make a bear case for U.S. multinational stocks. And those multinational stocks right now comprise like almost half the index. So I I, I agree with you on the white swan idea. That's hiding in plain sight. Everyone like, I can't everyone iPhone, knows that's it.
4: like World War Three. then.
0: We go to war for that, right? Uh, well, you can't make them here. You're going to buy a $40,000 iPhone? <laughs> so,
4: <laughs> you know what doesn't have Chinese risk?
0: Bitcoin. See, see I, I, I knew it would come back to that. You're, ac- you're absolutely right. <laughs> I would give up my iPhone for a stack of Bitcoin. Why not? Uh, let's do tech IPOs. Uh, kind of a disaster area. John, put this chart up. So this is uh, CNBC.com. Of the more than 50 U.S. tech companies to go public this year through an IPO SPAC or direct listing, only one is less than 20% below its high stock That's price. That's wild. More than oh, 20 wild. of the companies in this group have lost at least half their value. Oh, I so haven't looked
4: at Rivian's chart in a while.
0: Let's go, let's go through a couple of these. Robinhood is 74% uh, below Oof. its IPO. Didi is- Last time I
1: was here in this room- You were bearish. It on, no, it's Robinhood's you, you were so, IPO day. You were yeah. so wrong-
2: <laughs> nice job Dan. I sold it the day of the IPO
1: <laughs> I sold it way higher uh, very confident in my assertion <laughs> I'm saying <laughs>
0: uh, I mean this Coinbase is 40% below its IPO Rivian is 35% Roblox is down 20% from its IPO could that be right this is from I the thought uh, no from its high from, its from high. the high, yeah. from the from high. From the high. Yeah. okay this is worse than this is worse than I would have thought
2: so I uh, I'm looking at this in terms of what does that mean for the next couple of years? Like you guys talk about kind of democratizing access to private investments and, you know, giving people access. I think that that's going to become even more important because nobody's going public not in this market. In this market. Right. Can you
1: blame this on SPACs kind of, where they just oversaturated the market? That these, was always, are, like, these are not SPACs. But I'm saying the SPACs took up, like sucked all the oxygen out of the room. Yeah.
0: I don't know. It's very Yeah, it's a combination of that, too many deals, expectations that were too high.
2: And these companies probably should have gone public before three years ago. So, by the time they actually did, the expectations Mm -hmm. were so high because they were mega cap companies already.
4: And Ben and I were talking about this. The expectation was that once the tide turns on these like high flyers, it would that sentiment would shift and it would drag the rest of the market down with it. Not the case, not even close.
0: Um, Can we really say that Rivian should have come public earlier? They still don't really have. The capacity to make a lot of cars. What was their market cap when they can publish? So we're here's the
1: the IPO ETF that Renaissance IPO ETF. The S and P's up what twenty slaughtered. S and P's up twenty five percent this year. This thing's down ten on the year. Awful. And it's in a bigger drawdown. Rivian,
4: Rivian got as high as one hundred fifty three billion on like its fourth day trading. Come on. Uh,
0: so if so, what were you saying? What were you saying about VC's booking outside returns? Because. They still are, to my knowledge.
2: No, they are. But yeah. I think if this, so if you're a, if you're like a first or second fund VC, right, and you're looking out, and you're like, listen, I was already looking at. Eight. Somebody tweeted today. I, I forgot the tweet already, but somebody was tweeting. It was like nine years, and we finally like we finally got a return on our capital. I
1: shared that with Michael to yeah. same Did one. Did you? Yeah. yeah. So,
2: I think that this just pushes that out even further, but I think it's at the t- the same t- point where more and more people are going into private equity. I think there's a it's a really challenging space right now because you know, we can't get into Andreessen and Horowitz, but we can get into some of these small funds that are now going to be pushed out to like 10, 12 years before they're making a return. I'm not saying the returns aren't there for for those vcs that are monetizing today i'm saying that it creates i think more of a hurdle over the next few years as you're trying to price out what your expectations are for these new funds
1: and it's hard to find things to invest in like michael and i have talked to people in the last few months like founders who say we're beating aw- money. we're beating away investors with sticks like the yeah. people who started in our seed round they want to give us more money we can't even take it there's nothing we can do with it at this point
2: Especially if you're looking in the typical environment, like I talked to a I talked to a VC that work that focuses on Latinx run businesses outside of the United States. They're like, we we got plenty of opportunities, but we're playing in a completely different space that nobody, you know, people aren't gonna make that their first foray into VC. <laughs> Speaking
0: of, how did this uh, new holdings do today?
4: Oh, that, that IPO, that Brazilian bank. You know the shut up and take my money gif. Like, no, I can't take your money.
0: Oh wait. What's oh, that? Sir, sir, Siri is answering my question,
4: <laughs> but I want
0: to hear your answer. Uh, China
1: is listening in right now through your watch.
0: New holdings. It looks like it was not a very exciting day. This is the Brazilian. What? It's a neo bank. Is that what? Is that what you call it? Okay. So this is the bank that Berkshire Hathaway puts five hundred million dollars into. Uh, open for trading today at a forty billion dollar valuation. Raised like three billion and change. Not a great, not a a great reception, not terrible. I think it went up a little bit, but you didn't get a huge, you didn't get a huge uh uh IPO like opening for it. Um, I think this is probably the last big one to go this year. Years over, years over. Uh, are you buy are you buying any of these IPOs as they come out? What do you guys do with them?
2: No, we don't buy them until at least six months after, just because just trying to see things flush, Especially now with being so part many- of
0: Silicon Valley Bank, though, can't you just call the the West Coast branch and be like, "Hey, guys, hook well, me up. <laughs> I have rich rich people in Boston who, who want to invest."
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I I think the opportunities are going to be a little different going forward for sure, especially with okay. SVB Capital. I mean, they have a whole you know VCPE you know credit arm. So right,
0: and you are going to call Ben and I and and Michael. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Okay.
0: All right. No, but that that strikes me as like a very big trend that we're going to see next year. Because if you look at like Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, everybody's gearing up to offer pre-market, uh, a pre-IPO, venture back startup well, funds.
2: Nasdaq private market has been around for years, and Silicon Valley Bank and City and Goldman and all they just yeah. put you know infused a whole bunch of capital into it to make it work better because it hasn't really had a lot of volume on it. So they're banking on this trend towards longer to monetize. People need liquidity.
0: This is a philosophical question. But if thousands of people have access to companies before they come public and can invest in them, are they actually private companies?
4: Well, let me ask you this. If there's 500,000 billionaires that want to take a bite out of this apple.
0: There aren't that many, it turns <laughs> out. We've, uh, we, learned, we learned today. Uh, but no, but seriously, the lines have become so blurred. Why are we even calling it private market? like if if I actually
4: think the lines are going to become way more blurry than they are today don't
0: like, you like they won't even exist yeah well that seems to be where all the that seems to be where all the attention is going uh from all asset managers think about how many 40 act funds are now investing pre-IPO that won't stop so
2: and maybe the SEC will you know pivot and pay attention to that instead of just
0: not until everyone out. not not until everyone loses a ton of money. Well,
2: there's so many more startup
1: employees now, too, to your point about taking eight or nine years to see some returns. All those employees want to get money. So these secondary liquidity markets are being created by a ton of different firms that want to make it happen.
4: Let's hit on this. Uh Bern Hobart tweeted something like I found my short thesis for FinTech. And somebody posted a screenshot. We've got FTX Arena in Miami. That's Sam Bankman Fried. They spent $135 million for 19 years. I'm not, like, too familiar with sports arena contracts, but that seems, like, outrageous. Crypto.com arena, we all know. $700 million for 20 years. SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, $625 million for 20 years. Intuit Dome, Climate Pledge Arena, PayPal Park, Ball Arena, uh, Fiserv, is that Milwaukee? Fiserv?
0: Yes. I mean, that's not even on this list. Fiserv Forum or whatever. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting? What's interesting here is... How many obvious bankruptcies and blowups there had been shortly after a stadium got named for a corporation. And that's really all they're buying here. The most defensible, the most defensible one on here is the highest price. Staples? So far. 625 million for 20 years. It's an obscene amount of money, but they have both NFL franchises Mm -hmm. playing there. So they have, does that mean they have 16 games? Every season, plus all the concerts.
4: I, I don't really know the economics of how that works, but Staples Center, formerly Staples Center, now Crypto.com, Marita, 700 million for 20 years. The prior rights, so Staples paid 116 million for from 1990 to for 30 years.
0: Uh, Okay, so Crypto.com is getting 20 years at seven times the price? That's only, only crypto mentality, would that make sense? Where do they get $700 million from?
4: Uh, why not? No, but seriously, imagine where does this start? Six fifty? No, seven. Okay.
0: I mean, I know they didn't have to write the check today. I'm sure that's amortized over the. But I don't even know where a company like that gets
4: seven hundred million dollars. No, it's but just it's, but for the stadium. It's twenty. Name it's twenty years. So it's – what is that thirty five a year?
2: Yeah, but to Michael's point, how does the value? How does that even like? How does the stadium even start? Be like. And LeBron you know, is sixty
0: one years right. old this season. That's, I- that's a bad. That's a. That's a. <laughs> uh, sorry, uh, that's. I, I, but I would love to be a fly on the wall of the negotiations of that. There is, it's crypto. There is no negotiation. It's all on the chain. They just Well, listen, I, I guess we don't know if that will ever pay off. It just doesn't seem like it's the kind of thing that can. Who, who,
4: who put this uh, Better.com news in here?
0: Um, Did everybody
4: see this video? I mean, that was... I didn't see the video.
0: So let's set this up. Uh, better.com hired 7,000 people during the pandemic. They just raised a billion dollars at a $7 billion valuation. And then... The CEO goes on a Zoom call, only invites the people he's about to fire, and he fires a thousand people. Uh, <laughs> we're in, a, we're in a, a new. We're in. An, I've heard of hiring people on Zoom, firing uh, uh, nine hundred people You've at seen once. My is,
1: favorite Clooney movie, Up in the Air. Yeah, where he goes Please around to the he Love goes that around and he fires people. Love and that then movie. Anna Kendrick comes in and creates a way to fire people over the internet, basically. Yes. Here's the thing I don't get. How has the market changed? Like refinancing should be just crazy right now for them. What does
0: Better. dot com do?
1: They refinance homes, right? They help you with refinancing and get you lower rates. That's I'm- it. That's the whole thing. Uh, those are the ads I see. I'm sure they do more. They Why do they hire seven
0: thousand people to do that?
2: Because, <laughs> because they're because the rates are so low. And then, but but there's nothing more in a lot. <laughs> there's nothing more like. In inefficient then we're going to try to meet this demand and then rates go up like 50 basis points and the number of refis like is halved if you if you've been following like monthly or week even weekly Everyone housing it. data it it's literally like quarter basis point no refis
0: that consumer gets spooked by nothing nothing right so 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 20 basis points ah you know what i'll hold off
2: no but everybody
4: already refied
1: Right, a few times. Yeah. I don't yeah get, so I did it, it twice. does sound like this the CEO here backtracked and said, "Wait, the people who are working for us, they're actually stealing time. They're working 2 hours a day instead of 8." But there yeah, was a, okay. there was a piece in from Forbes about this guy. I guess he's got a lot of lawsuits going on about misappropriating funds. But Listen he's
0: wasted to, a ton of money.
1: So this is from Forbes, so take it for what it's worth, but they say this is an email they found from him. It, this is like a, this is before this happened. "Hello, wake up better team." You're too damn slow. You're a bunch of dumb dolphins, and dumb dolphins get caught in nets and eaten by sharks. Shut up. So stop up. it. Stop it. Stop it right now. You are embarrassing me. You're this is an actual email I found from this guy. He's, and who, Who's anti-dolphins? Dolphins are like the coolest animals in the world. Wait, you're a dumb dolphin? Yeah, he said dumb dolphins that's get caught in nets than, and That's eaten by better sharks.
0: than boar on the floor. Is that Wait, is that a, is that a,
4: uh, a reply all? That's the whole company? He sent it to like, his team, and then someone leaked it. I kind of don't believe that there's a really This would have been leaked a long time ago.
1: This is in a Forbes article from like two years ago. No one no one had ever heard of it. Oh. from that 2020. So right. Someone someone pulled it up and said, this guy's got a history Nobody of- cared then. Right, he cared it. It. right, right. Yeah. Okay. His <laughs> last
0: name is G- His first name or last name what is G-A-R-G? Garg, yeah. Garg?
1: So, so he doesn't have a great reputation, is what All I'm right.
0: saying. Ongoing lawsuits accuse Garg of or entities he controls of improper and even fraudulent activity at two prior business ventures- and of misappropriating tens of millions of dollars. In fact, Goldman Sachs, which has invested in three of betters funding rounds, spent two years accusing entities controlled by Garg of flagrant self-dealing. Uh, all right, so he so he obviously, maybe the truth is somewhere in between, but he doesn't sound like a great guy. Um, but he is saying that 250 of the people fired are basically clocking in and not working. Can he actually know that? I bet he can. I, I, there's probably some truth in that.
1: But he just, he ruined his brand. Don't That's you think the
0: new so? economy though, is clocking in for eight hours and, and doing two hours of work.
2: Well, and I don't know. I mean, I, you know, even in the pre-pandemic economy, yeah. you know, there were a lot of people who sat in front of their desks and really Facebook didn't get a whole lot done. So
0: I- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <you> definitely me. <may. laughs> all right. So I think, I think we could all agree. Nobody wants to work for this guy. Yeah, I'm out. Uh, but is there something inherently wrong with firing people on Zoom?
4: No, no, it's just the way he did it. And it was so disingenuous. He goes, I think I might cry. It was just such bullshit. The way he did it I because it was 900 people I at I'd, once.
1: I'd rather have an email than a Zoom with 900 people on it.
4: And they all could, can they all see each other?
0: Probably not. No, 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 probably no. Probably no, just
1: no. him. Yeah. They can probably just see him. Yeah.
0: So, he, all right. So he, So, it's his way of doing it face to face. Maybe he thought that this would be better than an impersonal email.
4: Whatever. I, don't no, know, I, think, the, I think
2: he wanted to make a point. I mean, I right- think he wanted to be seen as like, you know, you mess with me, like look in my eyes type of thing, oh, even though the tone and the, t- the tone of it, he tried to make it seem like he wasn't doing that. But do you, why do else you think would he, you he it? thought this
0: would be impressive
4: to his investors? Yeah, I think he learned this in the art of the deal.
0: Oh, man, did that backfire? <laughs> if he was doing this to if he was doing this to stunt for like the people that just gave him a billion dollars, this did not this did not go as intended. Uh, how do you fire people in this current uh, labor situation, if not via email you, or Zoom. You, you just it. turn
4: the paycheck off. They'll figure it out. Just turn them.
1: <laughs> Take away their login information. Unfo- unfollow, <laughs> unfollow them on Instagram. Yeah. Uh,
0: all right. So that, that didn't go well for this gentleman. Uh, tell me about what, what happened at this restaurant. What was going on?
2: Oh, so I was here on Tuesday night, the day the, of the AWS outages. Where and- were you
0: trying to get into, Bubba gum Shrimp? Uh, in Times Square? No. Where were you trying to go? Castle Lever. Oh, okay. So, All right.
2: Um, We go and you have to show your vax card. I know you guys know this because you're from New York. Yes. But this is not, for those of us who aren't, this is new. Proof
4: of COVID um, before you get in.
2: <laughs> so they they all using this app, Clear app. Is that what it is? Nobody could get it to open. So they're just standing outside this restaurant. And they're like, well, we can't go in because I can't get my... Proof of vaccination uh, to come up. What were the people at the door
0: doing? They, they were, were like, they "Sorry." They're just like,
2: "No." They're just like, "Well, just keep trying." It's been happening all day, uh, and I was like, "Oh, it's it must be hosted on AWS." And so again, you get to this point where um, I saw a couple posts on Twitter. Somebody was like, "Hey, so and so having trouble with your service today." I'm like, "Clearly, did you read? Obviously, it's hosted by my AWS. my kids' uh,
1: preschool. Their whole system for like checking in and stuff was down all day because of AWS. You couldn't get into the. They had like manual let people in the building.
4: Did they let you in?
2: They eventually were able to get it to refresh. But we were standing out there for, you know, several minutes, and I was like, what, I have my car, like, so I'm going to go.
1: <laughs> when your whole house is wired, I'm worried, like, turn on the lights, open the door, like, all that stuff. When everything is wired, your fridge and your oven and your microwave, when internet goes on, you're screwed.
2: Well, it's exactly what happened with cars already. I mean, used to now something, like, you get a car, and you're like, I, I don't know. It's all, you know, it's, the, it's it's everything electronic. And so I just thought it was funny because I was like, well, what do you do now? Because essentially the internet went down yeah. for... X number of hours. Life stops
0: now. Well, now when the internet goes down, life stops. Like there's too much relying on the internet to not be down. Um, So this is- But it's
2: concentrated. It's too- What was it? 33%?
0: Yeah. So uh, here, uh, some of Amazon's delivery operations ground to a halt. Third-party sellers couldn't ship products. Colleges that rely on software to host content had to postpone exams during finals week. AWS controlled 33% of the global cloud infrastructure market in the second quarter, followed by Microsoft at 20 and Google at 10. So that's three companies have 50% of all the cloud infrastructure. Imagine if two of them go down at once,
1: even for an hour.
2: Well, you talk about like cybercrime, right? Which is, might be another white swan we didn't talk about,
1: right? Michael's going to Michael's brain is going to be trapped in the metaverse someday when the cloud goes down. We're going to lose him. His permanently. body's just going to be in a coma, and he's going to be trapped in the metaverse. His brain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're gonna, he's going to lose all his whole identity. Uh, is thirty three percent too much of global cloud infrastructure to be controlled by a bookstore? You, no, you're what?
4: not. You're not. This, this is. This is like a. It's not a monopoly. But you're. You're not going to have a, uh, a dozen players here. No. You don't need it.
1: I said no. trust Bezos overall.
2: But in like corporate risk, right? When you say, "Oh, we're host, we're we're moving it to the cloud," it's much safer than hosting it on a server in our office and having potential business continuity. Is it? Because now
0: that's a great question. We we have uh, client data. Stored in the cloud, the, the, they don't want us to have this stuff written down on paper, right? Like, so, to in the eyes of the people who are monitoring what financial services firms are doing, they would prefer that this stuff be in in a secure cloud rather than in a file cabinet. Okay, that makes intuitive sense to me. Then the concern is like, okay, but what happens if the cloud provider, like, are they do are they backing that up somewhere? And is the company that's backing up the cloud provider backing that up somewhere? So this seems to be something that maybe we're all too calm about, but you have a lot riding on Amazon not going down.
2: I just thought it was funny. All the articles were like, packages are going to be late for the holidays. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I think there's a way bigger question here.
0: Yeah, yeah. You Right. You might have a hospital relying on the, on, uh, the Amazon cloud. We'll worry about packages another time. Uh, all right. I got nothing else to say on that. We're going to go into uh, favorites and then we're going to go uh, show our vaccine card somewhere. Um who wants to go first? What do you, what do you have for us? Uh Ben. This seems like an altruistic one.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to pat myself on the back here. No. Uh,
0: no, I like it. I think
1: for the, so I used to my charitable giving used to be like I had zero plan. And I like I would always think about it around the holidays like oh I should give to my food bank or whatever. And you posted on your blog you're raising money for that. And I think I started this last year where I said like why don't I have a better plan for this? So I found like all these organizations that I could give to and they it's so easy now to click give Twenty five, fifty, a hundred dollars a month, and just have it automatically taken out. The
0: same way you put money in investment accounts.
1: Yes, it's like so. It's like dollar co- dollar cost averaging for charitable giving, and it's like so much easier. And you know what? How thankful these places are. I get letters from these places all the time. Obviously, sometimes they're asking for more money, but like Tyrone Ross got me onto this like No Kid Hungry. is trying to feed people who. Do me too. I do that too. I got, I found this. I had someone actually reach out when I talked about this last year for like this Racket Up Club in Detroit, where after school and these, some of these kids in the city have nowhere to go. They go learn how to play squash mm. at like this after school place. They're, they're saying like, why is squash only for like rich white people? Yeah. Let's have, let's have, have it be more inclusive.
0: It's so enjoyable. Everybody should play squash. Wait, so what can you do? You can donate rackets
1: no, or you donate money. cash. You donate money to help. And so I'm just saying like, it's so easy these days. to so you click on any charity you can find your local homeless shelter or food bank. And you say, I'm going to give 50 bucks a month. And you can yeah. increase it over time, and like it's so. Yeah, easy you know what's to great about that? that and forget They it.
0: could budget based on that if they know how much they have minimum coming in because people have set up uh, dollar cost averaging. Yeah.
1: So my thing was it's like oh and we're on the holidays or if, if some tragedy happens and you give because people are but it's easier to just do it hit hit it once and do it all year round. Like you said, it's I think it's that's an easier way to do well, it.
2: Well, Josh makes a great point because they actually get a ton of holiday donations and then they try to have like you know, figure out if they can make it last right. for the rest of the year. So if you sign up, um, I, I do that with our local food bank and, and they're to your point, Ben, they're so appreciative. So you're doing people, this, you're I doing like handwritten letters from them. Yeah. Like
4: what do you do? You connect your bank account so to no kid hungry. Tyrone put me onto this, no You can automate your giving. So when you give the first time, it says like, do you want to make this a recurring thing? So every month I give.
0: Okay. Uh, I love this idea. I haven't done it yet. I'm big on how like around the holidays, I'm always like, all right, I should probably do something.
4: Yeah.
2: That's
0: what and everybody that's does. That's what everyone does. Yeah, yeah. All right. It's pretty cool. Uh Shannon, what are your favorites for this week?
2: <laughs> um the uh this it's a podcast that's run by Stanford. Who's that? And uh the firm? No, Stanford, like the oh, school. Stanford, yeah. Stanford, okay. Yeah. And um it's think talk fast. What is it? Talk. Think fast. Talk smart. Talk talk smart. Yeah. Well, this is my concussion coming back. Think fast. Talk smart. They did a a great podcast on. Let's pause.
0: You didn't have a concussion though. I did. You had. So you broke your neck. Mm -hmm. And you in one place.
2: Yeah, I fell down the stairs and I got this. You got a concussion. I
4: saw you yesterday. Yeah. And I wasn't sure what to say because I wasn't <laughs> sure if it was a medical condition. So yeah, but, she fell down the stairs. No, no, but I wasn't sure if it was anything more serious. So thank it's God. An thank yeah. God it was just an yeah. accident. Yeah, yeah so I
2: um I ran into a banister, I cut my head open, and Holy. passed out. And so <gasps> and I got a major concussion for so like for three weeks I'm sitting there like word salad. It was so disconcerting. Hold
0: on. You it altered like your mind? Yeah. Oh my God. What are your kids like were your kids freaked out?
2: Yeah, they called 911.
0: Jesus. They okay. so they saw it.
2: Yeah. My son called nine one one. My, 11, my con- eleven year old. Were you conscious? I wasn't at first. I woke up.
0: Oh my god! Yeah. was your husband?
2: He was right he, behind
0: you. So, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding.
2: They, <laughs> they definitely asked. Okay, Was <laughs> was <laughs> going at home? <laughs> exactly. No, was he
0: at work or something? Or? No, he was. It
2: was. This was like Saturday night. I was. I went upstairs to like get ready for bed, and then he was in with my daughter, and oh he my heard. God. They heard me fall down the stairs. So, but All I'm right. doing much better. But anyway, this podcast is about leadership and utilizing theater arts to be a better communicator. So the whole thing is about how you relay power um, as if you're an actor and knowing the roles of the people in the room. It's a short podcast. It's like 20 minutes. But I love it because um, Stanford does this great series on communication skills and being able to bring some like different parts of your skill set forward. And this was from one of their theater arts teachers who teaches people to communicate as leaders and show power without being overbearing.
0: I never I never heard of this podcast. Do you like it in general or just I do. This one specific episode? No, I
2: like I like this in general because it's it's quick and it's like – you know, it's really about being able to, unlike right now, concisely communicate.
0: That's so underrated. Uh think fast, talk smart. Like being able to convey things quickly and effectively might be one of the most important skills you could have in the current environment where nobody has any attention span well
2: left. especially in 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 investments right because people use a ton of jargon you know as a power play and it actually doesn't help you connect with people at all
0: okay all right i love it we're gonna check that out michael favorites this week
4: uh fair, well succession i mean they have the best writers on tv it's the not even
0: commenters t- on youtube are asking you guys to stop it's, geeking out over succession by the way. i don't know if you, you <laughs> what do you know. mean I don't know. I, I, I moderate all the mean comments about you so you don't get upset. And uh, they're like, is there any way you guys can talk about something other than Succession? We don't talk about Duncan's that Duncan's laughing. Did you see that comment too? What did yeah. this asshole yeah. say? Yeah.
3: Were they mad about spoilers? They, no, they just said something like, basically like, yeah, everyone that, that uh, would watch Succession is yeah, already yeah. watching Succession. Uh,
0: everyone, everyone that gives a shit is already watching it. Does he think we're getting,
4: <laughs> wait, I don't, does he think we're getting paid to watch, to promote Succession? Oh, no, he's
0: not accusing you of no. anything. He's just like, all right, we get it. I think Everyone's saying to be
4: more
1: original or it's something. It's consensus.
4: Original? <laughs> we're not like contrarian TV pickers. What an asshole. Block that guy.
1: By the way, I, I bet the—
2: You the, need to fight him, on am The awesome. viewership
1: <laughs> for Succession is probably—it's like probably a tenth of what people used to watch with Cheers or so, or Mad About You or something back in the day.
0: I feel a responsibility to evangelize over Succession. I think not enough people are watching it. It is so—it is so damn good. So I will talk about it till the cows come home. Um— did you, I, like, did you like the episode in Italy? I thought that was insanely oh, so good. It was so good.
1: It was the best TV episode of the last year, i bet. I was so show. good. It so was, good. was so I good. I watched
4: like half hour of Casino last night for the 90th time. It's like, it never gets not good.
0: You find new things every time you watch it.
4: It's uh, so good. So here's what I saw last night. You know when Joe Pesci's in the casino, when he first gets into the casino, and there's two guys at the teller waiting to get their money back? And he's like, I'm over here now. You over here now? You want to go across the street? And then the teller goes to give him, like, oh, they forgot to sign. And Pesci goes, yeah, they don't need it anymore. Like, he throws his toothpick.
0: Oh, because because they're, uh, they're extorting the casino. Yeah. And then, and then they, they see that he's involved. Yeah. That, yeah, it's, yeah. it's so great. Uh, all right. Mine is the Larry Hoover concert. Do, uh, do any of you have any idea what I'm talking about? Duncan, you definitely do. No. no? None?
2: No idea I got what you're about. No idea.
0: All right. It's tonight on Amazon Prime. I think people in 240 countries are going to be watching this live. This is going to be bigger than any television Anything like that. What's that's Larry Hoover? Larry Hoover was the founder of the Gangster Disciples in Chicago, and he's been in jail for like 30 years. He he basically has grandkids at this point. He hasn't seen. And uh finally they're they're getting him out of prison or they got him out of prison. Anyway, there's a huge prison reform movement underway. It's been going on for a while. Ka- uh, Kanye and Kim have been very involved with this. Tonight. Uh, Kanye West is having a concert live from the LA Coliseum. It'll be on Amazon prime live. So it's 8 PM West coast, uh, which I guess 11 o'clock here. So I don't if you're going to stay up that late. Are you You're going to stay up? But the point is that Drake is going to be on stage with him, which two months ago, it seemed like these two wanted each other dead, but they are doing something very positive. And they basically squash their beef, and they're going to perform together to help raise money and awareness for prison reform. This is like I think going to be a major event, and uh, I call it a favorite, even though it hasn't happened yet. Um, just because I hope our listeners uh, get a chance to check it out. So I think they're going to keep it on Prime for the rest of the weekend, and then maybe get rid of it. So try to try to check it out. I guess. Uh, <laughs> I th- guess. I guess. I don't
1: know. Amazon did concerts.
0: This is, is that a, f- a new thing. I think this is a first for them. But they can – listen, they ha- They can, I think, reach a lot more people than HBO can. Normally, this would be on HBO, like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. So this will be a much, much bigger event because Kanye chose to give it to Jeff Bezos. And so people are going to be watching on their phones, uh, et cetera. All right. Uh, for the latest in financial blogger fashion, don't forget to check out idontshop.com. Is there still time for Christmas? Uh, Duncan. I mean, I, I would assume,
3: but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Exactly. Today, December ninth.
0: Yeah, get your Christmas shopping done at shop dot com. Can't believe Duncan broke up a fight, a fist fight. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 can kind of believe with, it. with words, not, <laughs> not with with action, not with physical action. He's, ve- he's very, he's very conscientious. Uh, don't forget if you want to watch uh, if you want to watch this episode on YouTube, check out youtube.com slash the compound RWM where you can see all the charts that we've been talking about as well. If you love investing podcasts, check out Michael and Ben every Wednesday morning on Animal Spirits. And you guys are Monday mornings too.
4: Monday, Wednesday, Monday,
0: sometimes Wednesday. Saturday. Saturday. So, so, sometimes you'll drop a Saturday episode. Special thanks to Shannon Sakosha. Where can our listeners and viewers follow you
2: at Shannon Sakosha on Twitter.
0: Yeah, but nobody could spell that. <laughs> we'll link to it. <laughs> we will link to it. Spell your last name for us.
2: S A C C O C I A.
0: All right. Listen, we really appreciate you coming in uh, with with a broken neck and a concussion. You were you were not as incoherent as I was hoping you would be. You were very very you were very on point as you always are. Uh, happy holidays, Shannon. You excited to go back up to Boston?
2: Absolutely, but not till tomorrow. <laughs> not
0: till tomorrow. All right, so have fun tonight. All right, listen, we appreciate everybody uh, who tuned in. We will see you next week. All right, you feel warmed up now? Let do it for real. Yeah. I'm going to turn on the recorder. You good? Yeah, that was all right, right? That's Shannon, right. that was great. Yeah, that
4: was good. That was great. How'd you get so smart? Were you always
0: like... Were you always like uh,